welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast Season 4, Episode 6, A Study in 1 Peter. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the Gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. Today we continue into 1 Peter Chapter 2, where we look at some difficult verses about how we to proclaim the Gospel in a world and social order that we live in. How should believers respond to the social structures of today? If God is our Lord, should we ignore human and government institutions? How do we live as citizens of heaven with an earthly address? All right, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verses 13 through 18 today. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be on the imp- at, be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Back to verses 13 and 14. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Well, I'll re-offer the questions. How should believers respond to the social structures of today? If God is our Lord, should we ignore human or government institutions? Well, Peter tells us that we need to submit to governing authorities because of our relationship with God and not to ignore them. Notice the supreme authority overall is not a government agency, but it's God himself. That fact drives our response in all social orders. Notice what Peter says here is to be subject to every human institution. The word subject, or submit if that's in your translation, is the Greek word hypotagate, which means to be in subjection. This is a common theme in the New Testament, and it's really difficult when you think that autocratic governments abounded at the time. Paul writes in Romans chapter 13, starting in verse 1, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, if you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain." For he's the servant of God and an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, Respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. You know, I don't see where you can 
wash out the matter of obedience here, especially to such authorities as to be in subject to them, is what is included here. That is not an unquestioning obedience, however, because once again, God is the ultimate authority. So contravening the will of God and not obeying what God doesn't want you to do is included. Believers are not to submit for the Lord's sake, but our artists submit for the Lord's sake, but not unquestioningly if such actions go against the will of God. Now remember at this time there was the Roman emperor, and there was also this Roman emperor cult that was very popular that actually worshipped this emperor. And Peter is saying, submit to that authority unless it counters God, such as worshipping the emperor. So, not worshipping the emperor, but it does include obedience as part of being in the social order. Verse 14 says, Or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. This subjection extends to those authorities under the ruling authority. Peter also in this verse gives us the reason why. Punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Christians are to behave as good citizens and do what is honorable in the world's eyes, as Thomas Schreiner writes. Obviously, these are hor- there are horrific examples of bad government leaders. Pontius Pilate may be one, condemned Christ, but that was really under God's will. Then we have Herod Agrippa, who put James to death. But by and large, these, these authorities were to rule in order to keep society from collapsing into complete anarchy. Generally, governments will commend good citizens for being good citizens. Verse 15 says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Well, why should believers submit, according to verse 15? Because that's the will of God. By submitting to the governing authorities, Christians demonstrate that they are good citizens and not anarchists. This will have the effect of silencing the critics who are ignorant of Christianity. In fact, Peter calls them foolish. This is not a knock against their intellect, but a comment on the moral degradation of such people. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Doing good again does not include every command of the authorities, but general obedience to society at large. Government and society will not always side with believers or commend them for good behavior. However, being a good citizen will blunt the slanderous attacks that could come on believers. If someone wants to make an accusation against the followers of Christ, then they almost always would have to make it up or falsely accuse. Now Daniel, in the book of Daniel, would be a great example of following God and not governmental edicts that went against the laws of God. But at the very same time, Daniel was a great citizen of Babylon and prospered in captivity. And then we have the example that when he was thrown in the den of lions for obeying God and praying openly, and he survives the den of lions by the grace of God, Darius the king honors him. In Daniel 6.25, then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwelt in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. 
for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian, and he's prospered under Nebuchadnezzar. Accusers should lack any objective ground for criticism of believers, and we shouldn't give it to them. Verse 16 says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. What should be the motivation for believers to be submissive to authorities? Well, believers have been ransomed by the shed blood of Christ, set free from the feudal lifestyle characteristics of this world. Believers have been liberated to do what is good. People who live wickedly are not free, as that is the very definition of slavery. Christians obey government out of strength of grace and character because of their freedom. Paul writes again in Romans chapter 6, verse 15, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and have been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For, you were, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you now are ashamed? For the end of these things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. True liberty is the freedom to do what is right. Be submissive to authority, but the ultimate authority in a believer's life is God and not Caesar. Verse 17 says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. We have four commands in this short verse. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, and controversially at the time of this writing, honor the emperor. The fear of God is the primary command here. All humans are created in God's image, so we need to honor them. I think in today's society, there is a drought of honor in our world. From care for others to just disrespect in politics and government and life in general. That is not the will of God, but the promotion of self. Even sinners need to be honored and respected as people. But this passage tells us there is special honor between fellow Christians. Believers are family. Love the brothers. And when he says honor the emperor, that does not include fear of the emperor. Only God is to be feared, and fear in this case is a sense of awe. God should be feared 
as the sovereign Lord. Leonard Gulpelt writes, Because God alone determines existence and non-existence, as such, that deserves our ultimate loyalty. And then we get into the difficult verse 18. Servants, to be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. There's a lot to unpack here. Now Peter turns to the responsibility of slaves. Slavery was institutionalized in that society. And most people who were considered a worker supporting society in some way or another were, were actually slaves. And probably at least 20% of Rome at the time was made up of slaves. And we get this from the British Museum website. They had some interesting things here about Roman slavery. It says, enslaved people were ubiquitous in the city and countryside, in both households and businesses, and their ownership was not limited to the elite. Under Roman law, enslaved people had no personal rights and were regarded as the property of their masters. They could be bought, sold, and mistreated at will and were unable to own property, enter into a contract, or legally marry. And it was under this cloud that Peter writes to be subject to masters, including the unjust. So some might ask the question, why did the New Testament writers not speak against slavery as clearly owning another human being was not God's intent? Well, at the time it was unrealistic. It would be fighting the consensus of the Greco-Roman Empire and doomed to futility. New Testament writers were speaking to the situation in which believers lived. And again, you must understand, these writers were not social revolutionaries. Their concern, as was Jesus' concern in his ministry, was the relationship of individuals to God. Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians 7:17. Only let, person, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision accounts for anything nor uncircumcision but keeping the commands of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Well, to be honorable to a hard master, if you're enslaved and under these harsh conditions, which most slaves were, let's admit it, especially those who were in the mines or brothels, those conditions were most, most cruel. But if enough individuals were transformed by the love of God, that would begin to benefit society. As such, one of the consequences of Christian influence was the elimination of legalized slavery. Of course, we know that illegal slavery still exists. 
And we also know that under the Christian banner, both evil and good have been accomplished, depending on the motivation. Slavery was not an institution ordained by God. Peter is not endorsing slavery, even though he does not denounce it. Slaves were to submit to masters as an outgrowth of their relationship with God. However, like government authorities, if the slave owner demands slaves to violate God's will, then they were obligated to disobey, even if they were to suffer from it. Today, these verses lean into the work life of believers as well. How do they work? You know, we have to be subject to our bosses. But again, not if the work by work where the boss violates God's will for our lives. Harsh things. Now next week we'll continue and to look at the Christian and social order, part two. And to look at a preview of the next episode, verse 19 and 20 here, for this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure but when you do good and suffer for it, for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. So yeah, these verses are still hard. There are hard things here we see in God's Word, but I hope it blesses you today and encourage you to spend time in God's Word. Be mindful that Biblical Tapestry is on Facebook and Instagram. I encourage you to please like and share this podcast if you've gained anything from this study. God bless you, and I pray that you're doing well. See you in Episode 7.